Michelle. Good morning. Hey, Colleen. How are you? I'm good. I feel like we haven't recorded in a while. You've been busy. I have been busy. I have a su- I have had a surprisingly large amount of travel recently. <laughs> so it's been exciting and fun, but I am also very glad to be home for the rest of the month. Yeah, you were just in uh, Austin for MicroConf Austin or local slash tiny seed meetup, right? Yes, I was. Just got back actually a couple days ago and I had a great time. I mean, it was really an amazing experience. You know, you and I have attended a founders conference together and there is something about getting together with other ambitious founders that just really lights a fire. Like it just really gets you excited. Um, I was there. So Tiny Seed did a kind of like an, I don't want to say onboarding, that's not the right word, but it was just kind of like a retreat. And um, we had some deep dives on pricing and some other interesting business topics. We broke out into masterminds, so I got to meet a lot of other founders. So the way the program works is we get sorted into mastermind groups and um, with other founders who have taken Tiny Seed Investment. So we got to go, we did hours with these guys, like three, four hours over two days just with our small group. Plus tons of learning and chatting with other people in the batch. And that was the first two days. And then the third day we went to MicroConf Local, which was um, at WP Engine. Jason Cohen was there. So he and Rob Walling did kind of a fireside chat and got to meet more founders there. So it was really a cool, it was really a cool experience to the point where I am super glad I flew in for it. Yeah, that sounds super energizing. It was, it was. And it's fun to to see where it always interests me like where people are in their business when they take funding and some people are a lot further along than I would think you would take funding at so it was just kind of interesting to talk to people and their motivations and their goals and learn more I mean I know quite a bit about Tiny Seed I've had several friends go through the program but it was also fun like one guy specifically was was talking to a lot of different VCs and he um he said he actually said he was like well I didn't want to lose my soul so I took tiny seed money I was like okay good <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that but um I think what was interesting to me and and very encouraging to me was the I don't know if you call them the founders of tiny seed or the head of tiny seed or whatever like they want us to be successful obviously but it didn't feel like growth over people like it felt like meeting them in person they seem to project what they say they project that's always a good thing yeah it was good I mean it was just it was better than I expected actually to be honest I wasn't quite sure what to expect (laughs) um I don't know what I thought was gonna happen but um yeah the people were great we had lots of good talks like I said deep dives on things like pricing and business models and 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 one of the things that kind of interested me was they invest in a lot of companies that have enterprise potential in terms of selling bigger contracts. And it just felt so obvious, like, being there. But I was like, yeah, if you want a multi-million dollar company, you need to be doing bigger deals. That is something you and I have talked about with Refine for Rails is how I want to go. Do you say up market? Is that the right word? If I want to sell to bigger yeah. companies. Yeah, that, I think going up market is what people would say. I mostly just made up that word, but it sounded right. So I've been going with it. Um <laughs> 
we have, I mean, we had that deep dive on pricing, you know, when we found out about the tiny seed uh, here on the podcast. And we've just talking, been talking about how, you know, we want to do bigger deals for refined rails. And being around these people who are not scared of huge deals is very, I don't know if encouraging or it's just, it's just a different it's kind of like a different community than the community I spend most of my time in where people are trying to sell their product for $35 a month. Side note, I have a product I sell for $35 a month. Love it. Not, I'm not hating on that model at all. That's a great model. But this whole concept of like a high touch, high value funnel, longer sales cycles, it's just an interesting world to me. And I think for me and Aaron and our skill set, it's going to be a really good path. Yeah, I mean, $35 a month versus $35,000 a year. Right. Two exactly. very different, exactly. uh, you know, sales and marketing experiences. Exactly. That That's uh, exactly my point. And so what was really cool, okay, so we're at um, WP Engine for the MicroConf. And I guess this is the first MicroConf local they've sold out, and they had a super long waiting list for it. And what was really cool about it is it there were not very many people there, like maybe 50 people. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was tiny. Wow. It was tiny, tiny. And so it was just an awesome experience because they did like a little bit structured, like meet and greet things. I like when they're a little, like the networking is a little bit structured because it's just less awkward, right? So kind of like that, hey, go talk to a founder and we're going to set a timer for five minutes and ask these questions and then switch. So we had a little bit of that. And then Jason Cohen and Rob Walling did like kind of a fireside chat, kind of a Q&A. And afterwards, very, very few people went up to talk. Of course, I did. I was like, Aaron, we need to go. Aaron was like, are you going to make me talk to Jason? I was like, yes, 100%. Like, we're going to talk. Yes, get over here. <laughs> so there are only three people like went to talk to Jason Cohen after his talk. And so we got like 30 minutes with him because there was no one else there. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was a whole thing. I, and I kind of expected it. Like I, I do, you know, I do a lot of events. And typically when you go to introduce yourself to like the speaker or like, I don't want to say the famous person that's cheesy, but like the person, you know, the the high, I don't know how to describe him, but you know what I mean? The speaker, let's just say yeah, that. Yeah, the, the people on stage. The people on stage. Usually, Especially the keynote. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, when you go talk keynote, to that person, yeah. Typically, it's a like you go, you say hi, you tell them you like their body of work. Like I, I already knew which talk I loved of his that I wanted to talk about. And they ask you what you're doing and they say good luck and you leave. Right. There's never anything like it's usually just say hi, high five, bye. And that is not what happened. <laughs> so we get up there and remember, there's no one else like waiting to talk to him. So we have nothing but time. And um we get up there and we start talking to him and he's asking us about our business and he just like took this idea and you know how hard it has been for us to communicate what we do. Yeah. And so we're, we're getting better at it because literally we met 30 other founders and the first thing we talk about is like, oh, what does your product do? So we've kind of like our soundbite now, which we're still working on, but our soundbite now is we build a visual filter builder for Rails and Laravel developers. It's a drop-in piece of software that enables them to give their users the ability to filter database records. Okay. So that's, that's much more concise than I've heard. It's better, right? right? Yeah. We're still working yeah. on it, but it's way better than my our 20-minute spiel. I have another <laughs> Okay, speaking of that, I have another funny story I'm going to tell you in a minute. But um so 
Jason got it like right away. Like he was like, oh yeah. Okay, cool. And he just like took that idea and like he riffed on the positioning of that idea for like 20 or 30 minutes. Like it yeah. was wild. To, I Like I literally wish I had a video camera and I could have videotaped his excitement about this product. It was awesome. So yeah, Jason Cohen's going to be my new hype man. <laughs> Are you going to change some things like based on that conversation? I think so. I think what he told us, things we have been circling around um one he said who are you selling to we said we're selling to developers he's like that's a terrible idea don't sell to developers (laughs) (laughs) sell to product managers and we have heard this before but we haven't really like internalized it he's like here's what you do you sell to product managers and you make the product manager the hero of the story so something you and i podcasted about almost years ago was reading story brand Mm mm-hmm And so, so it was like all of these things, like, it's just so cool when like all of the advice and learning and books you read feel like they're, you know, coming together. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, his, his, he was chatting about it. He was like, look, you sell to product managers, you make them, the product managers, the hero of the story. And so if you, the, when a product manager, you know, he was talking about at WP Engine, they have quarterly announcements or not announcements, but like events where they announce new features and stuff. He's like, so you give the product manager the, oh, but one more thing, Steve Jobs style. And the, oh, but one more thing is whatever they need, like custom reports, custom background email jobs using Refine. And the, the sales, the positioning is for less than the cost of a developer you now have this full feature that you can add to your app that makes it more sticky for them because now their customers are like, oh, with XYZ product, I get custom reports or I get custom filtering or I get custom email background jobs, whatever they need. So the product manager is the hero because they bring to their CEO an oh, one more thing that makes their product stickier that they sell, that they have purchased, excuse me, for less than the cost of a developer. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. he got into way more detail, um, but that was kind of like, and we've been circling that idea, but no one has really like described it in such a way to us before. Um, we talked a lot about leaning into our current customer, our you know our big enterprise client. Um, we should have a a case study from them. Like, yeah, this company's absolutely. you know our filtering enabled this company to do X Y Z. Like that's such an obvious thing that I don't know we hadn't thought about. So stuff like that. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, like doing case studies and having that testimonial and also having the quotes in that case study being from your target person. And so it's like like having quotes in there from a product manager that says this is what it allowed us to do. Right. And I think that is the big shift we are going. And this isn't an overnight thing. Like there's a lot of work that has to go into making this shift. But I think that's kind of the shift is like bigger companies, product managers, is, is going to be our target market. Like that's going to be our, what we're going to try. I have a question about something you said earlier. So you were talking about how it surprised you the point at which people were at when they joined Tiny Seed. Yeah. And no, now of course you probably can't give you know, too many specifics on this, but I get questions fairly often from people on, you know, do you think I would be a, a, a fit for, uh, you know, Tiny Seed, for example? Yeah. Can you can you give some some ranges? Because I, I do think it would surprise people <laughs> both on the low end and on the high end. I mean, I talk to people everywhere from 500 MRR 
to 40,000 MRR. So that's like a big that, range. It's a huge range. I feel like I can share that because I didn't share any. Um, and I guess where are you guys at? I mean, you're, you're more ARR. Yeah, it, ours is kind of hard to calculate. We're in the very low end um, of that. So. Yeah, I mean, it's basically if you have some amount of paying customers, like if you have proven that people will pay you, it doesn't necessarily have to be at product market fit. And then also it... It's- everybody's B to, is B2B, right? Like everything is That's B2B That's the SaaS. big thing with Tiny Seed yeah. is they do not do B2C. And Rob talked about that in his podcast. So before we applied, Rob, I think, in, did he do it with Sherry? He did a podcast on Startups for the Rest of Us talking about the kind of founders he likes to invest in. And one of the things he said on that podcast is they don't do B2C because they don't think they can help you. Like they just don't know how to do B2C um, as effectively. I think the big thing with, I mean, it's, it's early, right? I'm, I'm new, but it just depends. Like I have one friend who did it, who's done it and it's been fine, but he hasn't leaned into any of the resources being offered. And so he was kind of like, eh, whatever. I didn't, you know, he, he feels kind of blase about the whole thing. Whereas I think if you lean in, it, it just depends on what you want. Like if you're running a business, I think it's fair to say like most of the people didn't need, I mean, we don't need the money. Um, like we were fully self-sustainable. But we want to lean into the resources. So I talked to a couple founders who like had talked to lots of different funds and were getting lots of offers and went with Tiny Seed because of the focus on like obviously they want, you know, the focus on sustainable growth, I think would be the way to describe that. Yeah. So so what else is on your list after coming back? The big things would be kind of all this stuff I just said, which is a lot of stuff. So Aaron and I, for this month, and this is December, we are trying to get our low touch funnel going. So he's working on the Laravel Nova homepage and trying to get the Nova integration rolling. And I'm leaning into some of the issues we're having on the Rails side. And those issues specifically are like technical issues. And so I'm working on fixing those. I think think what I remembered slash learned while I was there is like, I'm good at this if I trust my gut on what I should be doing. And I take a lot of advice in. And like, actually one of my strengths is I'm very coachable. People have always said that about me. Like I'm very coachable, but also sometimes you can get too much advice. And sometimes when you're getting too much advice, it's hard, you get confused or it's hard to remember, like it's hard to filter it all. And so for me, I need to remember just like to lean back in on what I know the right thing to do is. Cause I still feel like I know what the right thing to do is. I think that's been a big theme for you over the past, I mean, people can even go back and listen to the beginning of this podcast, but like over the past couple of years is really developing and then trusting your own intuition on business. Because I feel like when we started talking, you didn't really have any intuition about business and like you were reading a lot of stuff, but you were kind of just reading a lot of things, watching a lot of talks, doing a lot of learning, but you kind of didn't have your own compass guiding you through that and kind of helping you judge like, is this something that's going to help me or not? It was just sort of all coming in like a fire hose. And I think what I've seen you go through is now like, hey, this was really useful. Okay, looking back at like story brand, right? That was actually something that really resonated and that makes sense. And you, you tried that in your business, you saw that it worked. And now you're going back to that and you're like, okay, I can fit this in with something else that I already understand. And versus, I mean, how many like 
thousands of blog posts have you read on running a SaaS business? <laughs> a lot. Um, right? <laughs> and so you've kind of, you've kind of developed this like center, you know, to like to come back. Like you have a certain like groundedness that yes. maybe you didn't have like three. I mean, we used to describe this as you wandering through the forest. Yeah. Uh, and now I feel like you've 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 not only firmly got the compass in your hand, like you've got it within you. You still need to know where to go, but there's much more of you influencing where that is, and like and like a certain like trust in yourself about that that I feel like wasn't really there a couple years ago. Yeah, I think that's I think that's accurate, and I think that you know that happens with all things in life, right? Like you got to put the reps in, like you got to do the work, you got to break out of the cycle of just reading, which was a problem I had, you know, years ago. You actually have to try things and you build your intuition, right? Like you build your your ability to know what the next right thing is for your business. And I feel like I, I, you know, I feel really good about our path forward. I feel like I know what we need to do next. I mean, even, you know, like to, I feel this way about Simplify Upload too, and they're totally different businesses. So yeah, I, I think that's a lot of like that kind of confidence grows the more you do things and learn things, right? Like it's, I say fail fast a lot, but it's really learn fast. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, just keep, yeah, keep learning. Oh, and I'm doing uh, this new thing I'm going to share with you. So I'm doing, um, so I was doing, I think I told you I have a meeting with a friend and we do one actionable thing each week, which has been really great trying to focus. Did I tell you that? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm going to, I'm I'm adding on to that and trying to like define, since we're still early and we are still, yeah, we have this grand idea, but we don't exactly know what that's going to look like yet. We're doing, um, or I'm doing like a, every week, like learn, make one decision about the business, if you can, and learn something. And like start at the beginning of the week, like this week I'm going to learn X, Y, Z. And so I'm adding that to my weekly things I need to do. Do you go back and keep track of like what you learned that you didn't expect to learn? Yeah, I do, which is fun. Um, I don't. Well, I just started to learn like specifically writing it down. So I kept I keep the one actionable thing so I don't have any like juicy stuff. But it is kind of <laughs> funny because <laughs> I have been keeping like a notion journal since 2020. So it has been fun to like go back and look at some of that stuff and like see how far I've come. I think it's my favorite thing about learning, whether it's, you know, in a course or simply, you know, talking to a customer or reading a book or whatnot is looking at what I what did I intend to learn or what did I th- and then what did I think I was going to learn? Yeah. And then what did I actually learn from it? And for me, that's the most exciting part about learning anything is the things I didn't expect. And that's when I think you really hit growth, too. Like, here, here's where this intuition thing comes into play. So, so far with Refine, I have learned things I already thought I was going to learn. And that's good because I have proven. That. So, for example, before I shipped, like back in August or September, everyone's like, you got to ship, you got to ship, you got to ship. And I was like, oh, it's not ready. The customers are going to say X, Y, and Z. But I shipped it anyway. And guess what? The customer said X, Y, and Z. But it was still, so that they was- They were very, paying you while they were saying it. <laughs> they were paying me while they were saying X, Y, and Z, which showed that. <laughs> but the point was, you still have to ship it. Like your intuition is telling you, and this is, this is kind of my take on what that means. 
your business intuition says you need to fix X, Y, and Z. But there is still a huge value in saying, will you pay me, Joe customer, even if I don't haven't fixed X, Y, and Z? And when they say yes, you learn, yeah, this is really valuable because they bought it even when X, Y, and Z aren't finished, but also you have to finish X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Right. You get both things going. Right. So what's even more fun? So so I think the real, like you break out of your box more is when, like you just said, you learn something you didn't expect to learn. And I'm not there yet with Refine. I haven't learned anything I didn't expect to learn yet, but I, I you know, that's when I feel like we're really going to start making big breakthroughs. It sounds like you did a little bit though. Like you, you they still paid that me. people will pay you before you thought they were yes. willing to. And I think part of that is kind of shedding your, uh, you know, uh, employed engineer perspective that like the thing isn't done until it's fully met the spec that was laid out. And by contrast, now you can ship it well before the spec is done and get paid for it either while you're completing what you thought it was you were building or going in an entirely different direction. But you don't have to sit and wait for that point in fact you shouldn't right so yeah but so funny thing you know I was just thinking because I was writing up some things about simplify level the other day that I didn't think totally unrelated side note um so what I one of the funny things I learned about simplify upload is like the pages that convert the most are like the fluffy pages like that the upload care alternative and I was like this is stupid we don't need to do like the seo focus pages have brought in more traffic than the super technical pages. Because that's what people Google. Right. Like, that's what people get. I mean, it's just like stuff yeah, like that. That's like, what oh, they're typing okay. in. That is why yeah. they would find you. Yeah. So um, um, lots of interesting things. And embracing the unexpected. Embracing the un- unexpected. That's literally our job description, right? I've been listening. Do you know the Zen Founder podcast? Yeah, isn't that Rob Walling's wife's? Yeah, Sherry's. Okay, so people have told me about this podcast before, and I tried to listen to it, and it wasn't really my jam because there was someone else she had on that's like supposed. I don't really know. It just wasn't. It wasn't foundry focused. I was maybe I just picked a bad episode, but what I discovered was they started this podcast in like 2016 together. So if you go back, so I have been like binge listening to Zen Founder episodes from 2017 because it's Sherry Walling who is a psychiatrist psychologist I don't know what the difference is but she's one of those psycho psych- a psychiatrist prescribes medicine a psychologist is d- does not they're more on the like psychological side of things okay so I hope she doesn't listen to our podcast because I don't know which one she is but she's one of those things she's and then and then Rob Walling obviously and they're both startup founders she has a book he has a book they have a book together and it is so fascinating listening to these early episodes from like 2017 from them together because it it, it's like the way they bring some like really personal stuff and you know she's talking about like this really personal issue they have to deal with and how being entrepreneurs we do hard things like we can do hard things because you know hopefully you're supported to do hard things but that's like what we do and I guess why I'm fascinated by it because you always I always thought of like this career path is just being just that a career path but this career path is really a whole way of viewing challenges and like viewing the world and figuring out how to solve hard problems. And they basically took all of this work like entrepreneur mindset and applied it to these personal problems in their life. And I was like, yeah, that's super cool. 
Oh, that's really interesting. It was real. I mean, you know, this is a total, now I'm totally off topic, but, um, it's a great podcast from 2017. I can't speak to the n- newer episodes cause I haven't listened to them, but I'm really enjoying listening to two people in this space with like high emotional intelligence, talk through like the problems, their marriage faces and like startups face, like, and kind of how it's all entwined. Right. Cause it's like your life, you know, you can't really separate the things. It's been good. Oh, it's true. I mean, especially when you're married to your co-founder. Yeah. I haven't listened to it. Yeah. But I I read her newsletter actually. And I, I really oh, like okay. her newsletter. But then this is just my, like the fact that I can read so much faster than I can listen. Listen yeah. that. Yeah. Um, do hard things. Learn unexpected things. Put that on a pillow. Cross stitch that. <laughs> Cross stitch that. <laughs> Cross stitch that on a pillow. <laughs> Put that in your chimney and smoke it. Okay. Um, good chat. Good chat. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality. Dave from Recut. Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Worksighted, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabel developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.